And welcome into a new episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. We've been spending time this week in Washington, D.C. as part of the National Association of Farm Broadcasting annual Washington Watch event. Next couple episodes, we're going to be sharing updates from lawmakers as well as industry representatives and much more here on American Ag Today. First up, we are talking trade issues surrounding corn, especially the GMO corn issues with Mexico. I talked with Angus Kelly, Director of Public Policy, Trade, and Biotechnology with the National Corn Growers Association. Here is that interview. Let's talk trade, and obviously the uh, Mexican GMO corn issue, I think, is top of mind here. Has been now for a couple of months. Get us up to speed. What's the latest you're hearing on that issue as we continue to work through it uh, with Mexico? It ha- I'm, g- I'm going to make a slight amendment to what you just said. It has been top of mind, not for a couple of months, for, for a couple years. And we're tired, man. We're tired. Why have we not fixed this? It is, you know, we knew two years ago that the government of Mexico was saying that GM corn is unsafe to eat and they don't want to import it, especially white corn, but also yellow corns, 90 plus percent GM. And that's the world over, not just in the U.S. So we thought, surely it'll be fixed by now. But the good news is uh, we are we are tireless and indefatigable and we're going to keep encouraging, to put it nicely, the U.S. Trade Representative to go ahead and do a case under the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement because we don't see President Lopez Obrador of Mexico backing down on this. He has said publicly this is a red line. He doesn't want, quote, transgenic corn coming into Mexico. And so, okay, fine. Well, what are we left with? We're left with working out a deal or retaliation between U.S. and and Mexico. And interestingly, Jesse, Canada has gotten in on the action and Canada is now aligned with the U.S. on this because Canada makes a lot of GM canola. And they see that, well, if GM corn is in the crosshairs today, what about the other GM crops like soy, canola, cotton, et cetera? So, um, you know, we've been chasing our tail but I do think we're closer. We were just talking, you know, uh, Ambassador Doug McCaleb at U.S. Trade Rep is now in place. He's been doing some shelter diplomacy. Secretary Vilsack has been doing the Lord's work in reconnoitering with Mexico, and he's gotten us pretty far. But it's really up to Ambassador Catherine Tai in the, in the uh, Biden administration to go ahead and file a formal case. And we think they'd win, and we think and we're happy to work with them to make sure they have what they need. But we think it's more or less an open and shut case. You mentioned a great point there, and I know I've, I've talked with uh, many folks about this before, folks with NCGA as well, the fact that, you know, Mexico, why did they go after corn and not other commodities? Why didn't they go after soybeans or canola, as you mentioned, uh, on the Canadian front? It's just it's one of those things where you stop for a minute and go, why corn and why only corn, at least right now? Well, you could also ask the question, and, it's, and you're spot on, you could ask the question, why glyphosate? Of all the herbicides out there, glyphosate has a pretty, pretty doggone good environmental footprint or ecotoxicological profile. If you want to get technical, I mean, glyphosate is, is fairly environmentally benign. And, and, uh, uh, and I think the answer is it's the biggest for, for, for glyphosate. It's the most widely used product. And also, it also didn't hurt that Monsanto, now Bayer, made uh, makes Roundup and they're a big company. So I think if you look at the fingerprints, what you find is it's certain environmental activists going after the biggest crops and the biggest crop protection tool for producing corn and other crops. 
Coming back to corn, though, beyond just the herbicide story, and I do think we need to keep an eye, eye on glyphosate restrictions the world over. I do know, and this is, I'll give Mexico credit, corn has a special place in its cultural heritage. So it's a very important crop for them, and it's the birthplace of corn, et cetera, et cetera. So I understand why they want to make an exception, but if that's their case and it's a cultural question, not a food safety one, then please don't say it's a food safety one under the guise of it actually being some sort of cultural carve-out that they would like. Because when we and they signed U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, they agreed to say, okay, we're, we're going we're gonna to follow, we're going to have a science-based, a rules-based trading system. And uh, then they turn around and go against what they had agreed to. Um, so, like I say, round and round we go. Let's talk other trade issues uh, that NCGA is watching here as we work through 2023. I think about some of those emerging markets, Southeast Asia or the European Union. I know we have some different things we're watching there. What else is top of mind for you as we work through this year? Well, maybe take, take those in order. Uh, Southeast Asia has got tremendous potential. You often hear that 96% of, the, uh, of our customers are outside of the U.S. Well, a, a, a vast majority of those are in the Southern Hemisphere, particularly Southeast Asia. And you might, you might add the African 54 countries. Um, yeah, we have a lot of, doing a lot of existing business in, in Egypt. Egypt's been a great customer for wheat and corn historically, but maybe some market penetration into countries like Kenya and West African countries. Coming back to Southeast Asia, their governments seem more, let's say, mature and willing to do trade agreements that lower tariff barriers, and we wouldn't need to lower our tariff barriers. The U.S. Trade Representative has habits. The U.S. Trade Representative, they have their Indo-Pacific Economic Framework, which is just government speak for a uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership light, if you will, um, but it doesn't address market access. It doesn't address tariffs, and that's where that's where the deal making is. That's where you can sell more stuff, more U.S. commodities. And so it's unfortunate, it's a missed opportunity. You know, Jesse, the biggest trading block is no longer NAFTA. It's the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership known as RCEP, and that's China. That's China and all its neighboring countries. And so China is now, has now formed the biggest trading block and the U.S. is left out in the cold. So there's a lot more we can do. Finally, to talk about Europe, uh, Europe has Ukraine. A lot of the Ukraine corn production is offline. I talked to a Ukrainian official two weeks ago in Geneva, and she said corn production is about four, down about 45% currently. So it's a really sad situation with the Russian invasion, but that has meant that there's been a substitution effect and that um, corn from the Americas has been going into Europe more than before. So they're trying to find other channels. The issue with Europe is their regulatory imperialism and a lot of the rules and regulations that the EU tends to have first mover advantage on is bad, typically bad for farmers. They can regulate their own farmers any way they want. Um, but, but when it comes to a trading block like the EU regulating our production, then we have a problem. So we're had, that's a watch out as well. A lot of trade issues we're going to keep our eyes on. Angus, appreciate a few minutes of your time here in D.C., and I know we'll, uh, we'll stay in touch and continue to watch the issues. Thanks so much. You bet. 
And once again, Angus Kelly with the National Corn Growers Association getting a chance to talk to him earlier this week at D.C. We'll have more updates coming up on future episodes of American Ag Today produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, wishing you and yours a great rest of your day.